assemble. Welcome in, everybody, to another fresh edition of the Marvel Dudes podcast. This is season two, episode four, coming away from deep in the heart of Austin, Texas, and from sunny San Diego, California, alongside that one dude, John Alcorn, yours truly, comic clerk from the home studios here tonight on this Sunday evening, May 23rd, 2021. Of course, John, we are once again in uh, some sort of perpetual suspension here at this rate as again, we await the upcoming Loki series debuting in just over two weeks on Wednesday night, June the uh, 8th or June 9th, I should say. But John, of course, a lot of news to get to and also a new segment is uh, debuting the night though. J.A., how are we doing the night, buddy? Good to see you. Man, dude, it's been busy, but uh, definitely excited for this and a lot of these movies and finally a certain movie is no longer being delayed and of course... Uh, Another guy on this network that has done some embarrassing stuff as always, but great to be back on here just for the, again, just the, uh, the Marvel dudes program, but, uh, can't wait to discuss some more Marvel, man. So again, folks, another bit of a slow night here for the Marvel dudes podcast again, season two, episode four live in its entirety here via our great friends over at the MI6 sports network. And of course, as well, uh, via the anchor podcast app as well. And again, everyone like usual, John and myself will take your questions, comments, or concerns throughout the course of uh, the uh, entire portion of our program tonight. And again, we are debuting a new segment later on in this uh, uh, episode tonight. So again, folks, we'll have plenty of that. But again, if you have any Marvel questions, comments, uh, theories maybe about what in fact might happen here uh, over the next couple of weeks, again, uh, go ahead and drop those in the chat box. We'll do our absolute best to again, uh, read those live on the air. Now, folks, a quick update for you folks here. Now, I'm not sure if you folks uh, know about this, but again, uh, you might notice that John's uh, office space is a little bit empty. We don't have the big microphone and no um, lined-in headphones tonight. But again, John is actually in the process of moving. So to accommodate John moving into his new place, we'll be at, we'll, we will be uh, taking next uh, Sunday off to uh, give us a bit of a break here. Again, we've been kind of doing a lot of these programs with not much to really talk about. Again, we really came here, though, to talk more about movies and TV shows. But again, we've kind of gone into the news route. Drum. It's a little bit of a dead period here for Marvel, uh, for the MCU, but we will, folks, be back with you in two weeks on June 6th, I believe. Uh, let me see what the uh, uh, advertisement uh, here uh, reads at this rate, but we'll be back with you, folks, June 6th, in fact, um, at 9.30 Pacific time, which, by the way, though, again, John, despite us being off, though, that actually opens up our third season of this podcast on that Sunday, because we will dive, though, man, into our preview and thoughts of the Loki series set to debut that Wednesday evening. So it's going to be a very great show coming up in two weeks when uh, when hopefully you're all settled and ready to go from the new place. Dude, I can't wait. Again, it's about a month from now, but I do. I can't wait for Loki. And what a better way to kick off season three to watch uh, Loki, man. I have a lot of questions and concerns. And to see Owen Wilson in a Marvel movie that's not about dogs or women is definitely going to be interesting. 
So again, folks, as a brief reminder there once more, but again, John and I will be off next Sunday, May 30th. We'll be back with you folks June 6th to again begin the preview and the analysis and get you primed and ready for the upcoming Loki series uh, hitting the airwaves at um, midnight Pacific time on Disney Plus on June the uh, 8th uh, or June 9th uh, coming up in a few weeks. A couple of quick thoughts, again, from the Honey Badger himself, Isaiah Leung, saying, welcome back to MI6, Callan. We missed you for the past four months. I'll be back with you folks uh, during the course of this week. And also Christy Wilson saying, hello, uh, gentlemen. Of course, Christy, we thank you for tuning in and for joining us. And uh, and also, uh, Isaiah is uh, saying, can't wait for the new seminar. And also, Isaiah is asking, John, are you moving to the Bay Area? I believe that is a hard no, as Christy Wilson wrote in the chat box. No way, no how would I ever move to the flipping bay because I wouldn't. I'm getting calls and texts from Isaiah all the time. Not like we don't enough already, as is there. But again, folks, um, we will though get into the Marvel coverage right now, and that, of course, though John actually kicks off though uh, this uh, episode tonight though with uh, some very great news though for both WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. John, they both, uh, my man were huge winners at the most recent MTV award show, Person Reports. And again, uh, per that, um, and per uh, the voting that was done, though, uh, by uh, everyone. But again, though, uh, John, uh, some great news here, though, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe is both WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier Buddy are big-time jackpot winners at the MTV award show just a couple of weeks ago. Um, <clears throat> that, of course, aired via MTV. Uh Elizabeth Olsen winning the best performance in a show. Anthony Mackie, no surprise, best hero. Uh, WandaVision winning the best show award. Wanda and and um and also uh, the fight uh, best fight goes to Wanda and uh, Agatha. While Catherine uh, Catherine Hahn, who again portrayed uh, Agnes, aka uh, Agatha, wins best villain. And also, of course, though J.A. Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, rightfully so, though I think John win the best duo from the MTV award show just about a day or so ago uh, or maybe a week or so ago. But again, though, John, this just shows you about how great Marvel has been. I would say probably since their acquisition by the Disney company is that they have not faltered. They have not stopped producing content and that those six award winners right there. And I want to also say as well that Scarlett Johansson may have won a separate award for a different sort of thing from the MTV award show. But again, though, John, Elizabeth Olsen takes home an award. Anthony Mackie takes home two awards. Uh, Catherine Hahn takes home two awards. WandaVision takes home an award. Uh, uh, Sebastian Stan takes home an award. Uh, John, a great night a couple of weeks ago for the uh, MTV, war, uh, MTV awards, but more importantly, a great night for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as in fact that Phase 4 has begun. John, any uh, thoughts or anything you want to get off your chest about uh, these winners? Again, I think, though, as well, though, J.A., Rightfully so, though, that both of these programs that Marvel put out, though, for one, got people back into the Marvel swing of things, though, again, with the delays with Black uh, with the Black Widow movie, a lack of content to watch during the uh, course of uh, last year with the pandemic, into this year, though, with both WandaVision debuting their nine seasons. Again, a great storyline added on there. Then, of course, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier with their six episodes. And I know, of course, that we had our thoughts about, you know, some fluff in episode four and a bit of a transitional gap, though. But, J.A., again, congrats to all the winners with uh, Marvel. And, again, rightfully so, if you ask me. 
again, and this is why I tell people you you need to trust Marvel. I mean, this has been a phenomenal job, and this is where I understand people get frustrated. But it's like just because it starts out slow, that that, that happens sometimes with Marvel. But it's called building up a story. I mean, my gosh, the amount of the effects if you see the uh, behind the scenes for Wandavision. And the Falcon Winter Soldier. I recommend people watch it on Disney Plus. Seeing the behind the scenes, man, it's just I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do the best CGI on the planet. I mean, just go back to watch the original Avengers movie. Going back to that, to these two movies, these two shows, man, it's been phenomenal. And uh, Marvel, I don't know how you do it, but um, you're the only company I let me traumatize or traumatize me legally. John, I would agree, though, about WandaVision, but also that Assembled did a phenomenal job, though, taking you behind the scenes. Because I know that we see, like, the, the, the blooper reels and the gag reels, but we really don't see a lot of companies or a lot of films go into the whole behind-the-scenes look. And again, like I've said, though, several times back in Season 1 of the podcast, though, J.A., WandaVision, to me, while it was telling a story, though, about two lesser-known, but now I think greatly appreciated uh, Marvel characters now with both uh, Wanda Maximoff and, of course, Vision, was that this series, like I said a couple times in season one and season two of our podcast here, to me, it seemed like that strictly that program basically told you the story of television. Again, with, I, you know, the I Love Lucy references in episode one and, you know, stuff like, you know, going from black and white into how they dress back in the 50s into the 60s, into the 70s, you know, the rabbit ears, you know, color television, you know, bigger, you know, widescreen televisions, you know, kind of in a way told, you know, it, 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 it told you a story, basically. It, it basically told you a story about, you know, two of these characters, but also told you more so about how, in fact, television had gone from the 40s and the 50s into the 70s to the 80s, the 90s, you know, and again, how the wardrobes had changed from, from one era to the next, though. But also, again, the CGI uh, with uh, with Paul Bettany's character and, you know, scenes here, scenes there. And then, I, and then I think those think as well, though, John, that we go from, you know, WandaVision into Falcon and the Winter Soldier, a bit more tough and gruff in your face sort of, uh, you know, sort of a program in regards to, you know, really, I think, trying to, like I said as well, though, John, tell that Captain America story from a new perspective of about, you know, it's a new guy coming in. He has a sidekick, yes. You know, Bucky Barnes, you know, 73 years as a P as a POW. And then characters that they did, though, in fact, introduced to us. We probably didn't know a lot about or know in general. And I think, though, again, though, John, it just goes back to how, in fact, that Marvel Studios just makes things work. And yes, maybe some episodes were lacking action or there's a lot of fluff, a lot of dialogue. But, John, Marvel makes it work every time. Case closed. I don't understand how they do it, especially after the flop, like you said, in episode three or four, I can't remember, but you you got to trust Marvel up until this point. If you trust him with Iron Man, and that movie was who knows what the heck was going to happen. That is basically the statement of Marvel. You you don't know, but I'm telling you, trust Marvel. And I know it's been frustrating with uh, Black Widow, but these two shows, it's something different. And for Marvel on the first attempt to do a TV show, like literally like a type of TV show we see on like Last Man Standing or, the, or any of these other TV shows. But Marvel would do that for the very first time in their score at the MTV Awards. And not just to get awards, but a lot of people watching it over and over and over and noticing those tiny things. 
I don't know how they do it, but a phenomenal job. John, I want to go and kind of give a bit of love, though, to each of the uh, categories that won for Marvel again at the MTV Awards about a week or so ago. But again, John, I don't know if we can send enough praise to Elizabeth Olsen for, again, how she has made Wanda Maximoff's character come to life, dating back to just the cameo we saw her make uh, at the end of one of the films, though, with her in, uh, in, of course, in, of course, her brother Pietro uh, under the Hydra, you know, under Hydra's uh, guidance, basically. But how she brought this character to life, though, even with the fake Sokovian accent that she had, though, in Civil War, though. And then we see her bring it further to life, though, with WandaVision and how, again, we see her, again, go from post-Endgame and post all of the trauma from the movies into, you know, let's start a new life in Miss, you know, Miss Town, though. But again, telling the story again of, mainly my mind, telling television shows from that perspective, though, again, about, you know, her, I think she... Thoroughly enjoyed. I think I remember her saying a little bit, though, in Assemble that she thoroughly enjoyed being able to do like the I Love Lucy era of the show or the uh, the Tyler Moore uh, version. I think I forget that character's name. My apologies for me forgetting, though, that she thoroughly enjoy enjoyed, though, being able to dress up and kind of live out those shows that were popular back during those eras that they all had put together. And then we had like the grunge in the 90s. We had, you know, obviously the ending, of course, of. Uh, what happens with, you know, the flaming eyeballs and stuff like that. But I, I do think that one other thing, though, I have to give Olsen credit for, though, as well, though, John, and also Marvel, is that they went the route, though, of putting her in the original Scarlet Witch costume, mm -hmm. including the headpiece, you know, the red gloves, the, the, you know, the long dress and the boots. I mean, again, I don't know, man, if Elizabeth Olsen gets, you know, gets enough love on this podcast, but man, oh, man, she hit a grand slam, literally, during WandaVision, man. Unbelievable. She's done She's done a phenomenal job in the editing team. If you go, like, I encourage people to watch these similar to WandaVision, then Falcon Winter Soldier, especially the scene where she was trying to hide her pregnancy and try to get all those jackets on. She literally have one on and then keep that same pose. You can't look and she can't move her arm or anything. So then it looks more realistic, like she has her powers. And just those tiny, like, special effects and how she's being able to adjust from being on Full House back in the day and then now into doing a TV show and a TV show. She's done a phenomenal job. And I don't know how, like Chrissy said, but I don't know how or who they know or what they do to find the right, perfect actor or actress. Because you go, I keep, we can't go back to like these old Marvel movies, but it's exceptionally important. There's a reason why the Marvel kept on. I mean, it was a low budget one. And look what's happened now. He's well known. Um, she's getting well known now. Vision's getting more... Um, more apparent getting the love. I don't know how Marvel does it, but um, hats off to them. Christy Wilson writes in to say both. Hooray for both uh, WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier. She also says, I hope that both WandaVision and Falcon Winter and Winter Soldier get loads of Emmy nominations. Definitely agree about that. And she also says, to John's point, I think that Marvel cast the perfect actress to play Wanda Maximoff in Elizabeth Olsen, where again, I think she just had a blast being able to put all those costumes on and kind of live out like i said though once more but again living out all those eras though of television during the course of that series and of course though john got to give a lot of love though man to anthony mackie you know and i read a story i believe today that said that he wants to play captain america for as long as chris evans did though and it also that also sparked a um a uh, uh piece i read too on yahoo entertainment today that john boyega who of course you know though john played uh finn in star wars uh, really gave Marvel a lot of high praise for casting Anthony Mackie to uh, take over 
the shield and the mantle of Captain America again, as we have talked a lot about, you know, uh, even in Falcon and Winter Soldier, though, about again, uh, uh, in the series, though, about how they tied in current events, though, of the social injustice movements and, you know, uh, all the stuff going on that we have seen, though, that now that we have representation uh, of Anthony Mackie or a black person portraying and wearing the Stars and Stripes as Captain America. And I think, though, John, that maybe to me, though, and of course, we know that Anthony Mackie had roles in Eight Mile. I know that he had a role, too, in Million Dollar Baby with Hillary, with, uh, Hillary Swank, a very good boxing movie, uh, I think in 2008, I want to say. But that his time in with Marvel, I think, though, John, may have, I think, permanently away from, from the MCU, his role, though, as Falcon, now as well, though, I think, John, as Captain America, those two roles in my mind permanently, I believe, put Anthony Mackie's name on the map in Hollywood, if you ask me. Marvel does it again. Like we go back. To, I know this is oh, it's so annoying, but go back to the Robert Downey Jr. and how his past. And this is not the negative effect on him. They bring in the guy had potential. Who knows? Had a history. Again, we all make mistakes. They bring him in for a low budget character that there's a terrible costume with him back in the day that should be burned from people's memories, and to make him one of the highest paid actors from 2013 to 2015, that type of guy. Elizabeth Olsen, yeah, we know from Full House. I didn't ever, I'll be honest, I didn't know anything about Anthony Mackie until the MCU. And, but just Marvel, I don't know how, like, it's weird. Marvel bringing people that people may not know about. And then two to three years down the road, they're higher profile people. After that first Iron Man movie, people know who Robert Downey Jr. was. He got Sherlock Holmes. He's getting this next movie coming out. You have Iron Man. You have all these news that he's doing. And now that Anthony Mack is doing, man, he's on the map. And uh, he's done a phenomenal job. And going back to that, that duo, I mean, you can tell. I mean, maybe it's just because they're good actors. But you can kind of tell like on and off camera who works well together and who's just trying to be professional, especially you see some of their uh, posts on social media. You know, John, I, I have to laugh because uh, you talking about uh, Mackie and Stan uh, winning the uh, best duo award at the MTV Awards, though, it just triggered this flashback to when I was watching Star Wars Celebration, I want to say 2018 or 2019. This was when Carrie Fisher sadly passed away and Mark Hamill was uh, doing his panel. It was all about him. And he remembered that, uh, kind of comparing about casting, Mark told the story to the, to the crowd that night or that day that, you know, him, Carrie, Harrison, uh, Harrison Ford, and then uh, Peter Mayhew all went to the casting, I guess, or went to wherever they were casting. And they had, you know, like Dan Aykroyd had like wanted to portray Luke Skywalker. I think Kurt Russell was also like there was a lot of very famed actors that were trying to get that role with uh, with, with Luke Skywalker. And they and uh, I think George told Mark that basically, like years later, he said that the only group that really worked well with that chemistry was Hamill, Fisher, Mayhew, and Ford. That's why they picked those four to be those four main characters in Star Wars. And again, you see that, and, and uh, you know, and then sometimes I kind of compare the cast of a movie, some with the team sports, because there's a common goal to, of course, entertain. But that if if things don't work don't work right, or you know, if they don't work right. Then there's, you know, there may be some issues though. But I think that that as we saw this though, John, kind of getting to that best duo real quick again with both Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan winning the best duo at the MTV Awards though, is that you kind of saw that that you saw how they were able to kind of, you know, start things off like on a rocky note, like, hey, why'd you do this? But you know, it, it kind of goes from like this budding rivalry a little bit into a very well 
orchestrated and very well, you know, you know, with so much cohesion by the time that episode six does air, that when you see Sebastian Stan slash Winter Soldier slash White Wolf, pat him on the back and say, good job, Captain America. That's where I think just the acting part comes to fruition. It kind of goes back because like they could be the greatest actors on stage, but I think like you talk about in sports, especially with a certain NFL team that had the issue last year that I was got neighbors called on me, is that you could ha have the greatest actors or the greatest players, but do if you can't mix well off stage or off camera, it really doesn't matter. And that's where you kind of see that with Anthony Mack and Sebastian Stan. It's like who like who knows? But when you have that kind of friendship that grows more and more off camera and on social media that's going to produce to more and more content and better better type movies moving forward you know and i would even say though as well though john i mean let, let's obviously we know about like like the good guys but we got to remember though about the about the people portraying the villains though too i mean i remember i saw a mm -hmm. picture from uh aaron kellyman who was portraying uh, carly in the series though and that she had a picture with every one of her of, of her uh, you know of her Flag smashers all together, but I mean, I, I we didn't, I didn't see anything with with, with her and Sebastian or, or Anthony. But you know damn well though, man, that that entire group though as a whole, you saw how well that that they all worked together mm -hmm. with you know Aaron and Anthony in in uh, a couple of the one on one scenes, you know, even with uh, uh, with some of the other stuff that had gone on though. But that there's a genuine love there. Yes, they're playing good guys and bad guys for entertainment though. But I mean, I could only imagine. I mean, I, I love to see like if someone just had like a camera rolling nonstop, like what's going on in between takes, what's going on at lunch, like who's pestering who and stuff like that, you know? This is why I think more of this behind the scenes stuff that Marvel's doing, we're, I think we can see that more and more in the future here, Cal. This, this is similar to totally. getting the behind the scenes because we could always see, oh, like extra deleted scenes in a movie. Like, okay, you can only watch so you can only watch so many blooper reels and gag reels, honestly. To be honest, I, I I don't care about those. Like that, that, those are great. But seeing the behind, this is why this is so important. That the assembly behind the scenes, you see that 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 chemistry, and especially during like them having to shift on where they had to film and do the certain restrictions due to a pandemic. I mean, all of that together, you can tell. Like you can tell. Like we all had. I don't know about y'all or anybody else, but when you have that, you're gonna have that like that one job or or that like they have in this TV show where everybody works great together. Everybody is like, like you said, like a brotherhood or a family on and off the field or on and off the set. And you can see how that produced to this type of, this type of show that I plan to watch multiple times and screw you, John Walker, but he did a phenomenal job. <laughs> oh man. It's been a month since the last episode premiered and we're still saying screw you, John Walker. Uh, shout out real quick to our good guy, Adam Barber, saying what's up. Of course, you guys need to go check out Adam and his crew at the Coast to Coast Entertainment Network again. Uh, both MI6 and Coast to Coast forming a, another alliance away from uh, MI6 here. Uh, again, doing some cross promotion. But again, check out Adam and his crew. Again, uh, we had one of our own, uh, Mr. Uh, Honey Badger, go and get rolled on Coast to Coast Jeopardy earlier on Sunday morning. And Christy Wilson writes in, hashtag screw you. Hydra. And speaking of that, when I do move, we're gonna, we're gonna redo all those again, Kellen. And then I'll be coming in through the door, have the camera stare right at it and say, screw you, Hydra, something really dramatic. Let it do. Oh, hey, there you are. I have one message 
for you, buddy. Screw you, Hydra. Still the greatest sound effect in the history of this podcast. You know, it'd be funny if they don't have that that theme background noise and then come in with the glasses and like a leather jacket and sit oh, down. <laughs> and then, I love it. That is great. Be great. Uh, but again, folks, a major shout out and congratulations again to all parties involved with uh, with Marvel again. Winners at the MTV Awards, Elizabeth Olsen, Anthony Mackie, WandaVision, Wanda versus Agatha, uh, Catherine Hahn, and of course, Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, all taking home hardware at the MTV Awards show about a week or so ago. With that, though, John, as we do, in fact, get to uh, close to some more movies coming out, though, but some other big news, though, for Spider-Man No Way Home, though, that is the one and only Kristen Dunst returning to the Spider-Man movie once again. John, the big question here, though, with Kristen coming back, though, is more Marvel trauma coming soon? It has to be, because now you have Kristen Dunst coming back from the original. Again, another redhead you can't really kind of trust. She's a little bit bipolar. If she's coming back, clearly she is. Gwen's coming back. There's no notion where she went, because that was, I know that wasn't a great movie. How she died, of course, was traumatic, but her coming back, I I frankly think this is stupid. Like, it's exciting, but I don't understand, like, why they would bring her back? What is she gonna do? Like, that's not saying like, if she was super, she could do whatever she wants, but I don't see in the like, we understand what the story is and villains that are coming back in a different universe because of a certain person we'll talk about here in a moment. I just don't see the logic or any how that's gonna help the story progress. Other, it's a flashback of something she said to him when she found out he was Spider. I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to me to bring her back because it won't contribute to the story or really build a momentum, but who knows? John, I agree. It kind of seems like a little bit of a, of a reach a little bit here by, by the studio. Now, again, we don't know what the role is going to be, though, for Kristen Dunst, though, if she does, in fact, come back, though. I would think, though, if it's not a, like, real big role, I could see this kind of being like Michelle Pfeiffer in Ant-Man and the Wasp portraying Wasp's... Um, um, Hope Van Dyke's uh, or um, Evangeline Lilly's mom, where it's not really a full blown character, uh, like full blown character, but maybe a cameo, maybe a flashback is mentioned, though. And I believe, though, that John Christie has a good question here, though. Will she be returning, though, as Mary Jane Watson is the only question? She would have to. Like, I mean, it, because, I mean, what, because what other role is she going to be filling in here for if she's coming back? Because because you have Doc Ock coming back, you have the Green Goblin, Doctor Strange, of course, in this movie. Fox. You have Electra coming back. Yeah. All these characters to bring them back, and just to her to be some whatever character, you you'd have to bring her back. But it would have to be like a flashback or maybe something like that happened in the past here. Because I can't think of anything like. What would she do? Was it be like a congratulate at the end, and then you know what people do? Couples do Marvel movies. I don't know. It just doesn't make. I can't think of anything in this in this brain or mind to where. What is she gonna do? It just doesn't. I I don't understand. I think it's very dumb on Marvel, but at the same time. I mean, they've proved me wrong up until this point. This could be the ultimate tease about what, in fact, her role might be, though. But again, folks, Kristen Dunst, uh, per reports, returning to Spider-Man 
No Way Home and expect more Marvel <laughs> trauma to come back very, very shortly. I'm not looking forward to it, man. I already have my therapist. I don't have a therapist, of course. I'm not crazy, but I already have uh, Bucky's therapist on uh, Speed Dial County. Oh, so thank you. Yeah. It's going to be rough when that happens. Now, John, uh, staying with uh, Miss Elizabeth Olsen, as you uh, mentioned, though, but per a interview that she had given uh, pretty recently, Elizabeth Olsen has um, has basically teased here, John, that um, she revealed the Scarlet Witch has the ability to travel the multiverse. John, as if things couldn't be any worse after WandaVision's ending, we're in for an explosive multiverse uh, appearance from her in Doctor Strange very, very shortly. Holy cow, man. This just proves all those those leaks that we talked about, I believe, last week, a week before. I, not all redheads. Certain redheads you can't trust, especially in Marvel. I mean, my gosh, they make a decision that harms everybody. Scarlet or um, Black Widow died, and it affected it, but they were traumatized. Now, Mary Jane, of course. Now, now, time out here. Now, I, I want to call a quick time out here. I, I want to address that point, though. Can we really, though, say that about Black Widow? Because technically, in Endgame, she was blonde, not red. Either way. <laughs> Red I mean, okay, because because I know trust. that because I know because I know that when they were what was left of them was at the Avengers compound, that her hair was was red, but it was turning blonde though. I think as this movie went on, and plus, let's not forget though that in Infinity War she was blonde. I think during that that time. So like, I don't know though, Jum. It's a little bit weird. Oh, maybe well, she's not around to redhead. I don't know. I don't know. But either way, you can't trust redheads. I mean, my because of her getting in her emotions, just because of her, oh, daddy, she's on oh, the Stark bomb. Because of what she did, now Spider-Man has to pay. It's Spider-Man's paying not just for his mistakes, but for everybody else. I mean, my gosh, here, like, Wanda, what are you doing? Black because Widow, Star-Lord, and then Scarlet Witch. Well, Scarlet Witch did it the worst, though. Because now you have, there's so many things that could happen. Obviously, with this what if series coming out pretty soon, Spider-Man, you have Green Goblin coming back. Who the fart died with that? That would come back. Electro's coming back. Doc Ock is coming back, and he just lost his wife. I believe if it's in that same type of timeline, so he's already pissed off. He lost his wife, and he's pissed off at Spider-Man. So is Green Goblin. I mean, my God, it's just they're all, out for, they're all out for blood and out for revenge, my friend. No, clearly there's no therapist that could fix her because she's hopeless. I mean, thanks to you and your her emotions, Spider-Man has to pay. And all the all those villains at once coming at you and you haven't even graduated high school. Thanks a lot, Wanda. Brutal. Uh, John, Adam Barber has a great question. Fellas, if you mixed DC and Marvel and did a bracketology of who would win in a battle overall. Who do you believe reigns supreme? I've got the Hulk. Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's hard because of the two of the popular ones aren't really superpowers. They're just guys with a bunch of money and egos. Huh. It's pretty damn true. <laughs> so. I think Hulk would be a very good betting favorite. I think he'd open up as like, like maybe top three 
with the uh, on the odds board, and I, I'd say. I definitely. I because then know. again, all Batman does is talk with a very, very raspy throat. Like, dude, drink some hot tea or something. I don't know, man. I would have to think about that. But great question, Adam. But uh, do you see a Marvel? I mean, besides like Batman and maybe like Superman, they don't. There isn't really like a a whole lot. So I don't know. Yeah, I have I no idea. Probably, I'd probably go Hulk and Superman is like the last two. Isaiah's going to go with Superman. But then again, though, Superman has issues though with stuff that is green. So I think I'd go with the Hulk on that. I mean, shoot, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. Plus, what if uh, his clothes don't fit? I'd say anything. I would pick the Hulk because he's pissed off. I mean, you could say Superman, but who do you trust? Who do you think is going to be more aggressive? When they're pissed off. Uh, there's no way Hulk. that even <laughs> Superman can even take down the Hulk. But Adam, great question. Christy also says, I wonder if Wanda will be doing battle against Doctor Strange in this new movie. Now, that would be interesting. That would be. I think it, it, it's going to happen, I think, in Doctor Strange 2. Okay, so, uh, okay so, so another time out here. So if that happens, let's just say that hypothetically Wanda faces off with Doctor Strange. How does the timeline work out here if then they're going to be in Endgame fighting together on the same side of things? Maybe it's Endgame in another universe to where, I don't know, because... I don't know. Great this, point, though. Great point by Christopher. It's phenomenal because it's like if there's multiple universes, would there be a universe that's very similar, but with like different results? And, of course, maybe Star-Lord didn't do what he did. Who knows? So I mean, that, that's maybe they would have actually of, did it right and killed Thanos the right way in Infinity War in this other universe. Definitely. So uh, thanks to Wanda, we have all these tenfold hat theories right now. Oof. But hey, I love the suspense. Uh, also, John, as well. Um, I know you wanted to kind of talk a bit about the What If series. Now, what we probably missed when we talked about this whole scenario, though, bud, this is going to be a animated series not a full-blown reenactment of scenes and stuff like that again we talked about uh perhaps about uh, Peg uh peggy carter taking the um uh taking the super soldier serum uh captain america perhaps becoming a zombie uh things like that now john i don't know if this is necessarily a bad idea by marvel but does this move perhaps on your mind maybe perhaps dilute the product though by going from live action to animation for this upcoming series. I'm still kind of intrigued by it though, but kind of, I think straddling the fence right now about how I feel about it. I mean, it's something new by Marvel, but I don't like it at all. I just, it, it kind of ruins, like imagine some of the biggest moments in Marvel history now, put those in animate and it just doesn't have that same type of emotion or suspense or energy, Put Endgame in animation and animated. It doesn't have that kind of same kind of effect. So I, I don't like it at all. I, I, I'm, I mean, it's I'll give it a chance, but I don't like it that it's animated at all. I think it kind of ruins some of the uh, things that's happened in the past or what could have happened. And just in my opinion, I don't like it at all. You know, I, I kind of feel a little bit, une not really uneasy, but I feel like, okay, this is kind of a curveball that Marvel's throwing our way. I mean, I'm still going to be thoroughly invested, though, but I think, though, John, it, it may be a bit of a curveball about the whole thing, but I think, though, it may be perhaps here, John, hear me out here. This might be a nice, perhaps, change of pace to go from the live-action version of movies and shows 
into something storyboarded and something done by the Marvel artists for a change. You know, let's get like, you know, let's let them have some love and some publicity here as opposed to the, just the actors. But again, kind of seeing how things, uh, you know, seeing things from a different perspective, again, much like we said about WandaVision, talking about the history of TV shows or Falcon Winter Soldier telling the story of Captain America from a new perspective. Let's kind of see, though, how Marvel can do diving into animation, maybe, for this series. We'll see how it goes. You have a great point. I just, I don't know, man. I, I just, I, for me, it kind of ruins the action isn't as interesting if it's animated, but maybe that's me being too harsh. Christy Wilson says, the idea of Captain America becoming a zombie sounds extremely creepy to me. Uh, that was a part of the uh, scenario, scenarios thrown out by some of the fans uh, two episodes ago here on the podcast. And uh, I, I'm kind of intrigued, though, about Peggy Carter taking the Super Soldier Serum, though. I really am, to be very honest. Because if she took the Super Soldier Serum and became, like, Captain America, how does that affect? Do we retrust or trust the Carter family? Well, the power broker had been a thing, but again, that's all those kind of what if things, though, pun intended. I, I do think, though, it goes back to a theory I threw out during our What If series uh, banter on episode two, John, of the uh, of the podcast here for season two, though, was if Peggy would have taken the serum, we would have never, man, found out about Isaiah Bradley and his story, which I think is probably why they chose to not let it go that route and chose to go the other way in regards to having it go with Isaiah Bradley in regards to that story, as opposed to it being um, uh, Peggy Carter, maybe. I mean, it would definitely be interesting. It just makes me wonder um, what with like Hydra and shield and how these other things. Yeah. It'd be cool to have a female captain. America. Hydra. Shove it up your left ear, Hydra. But it just makes you wonder, I mean, having a female Captain America, yeah, that would be interesting. There's something wrong with that. I mean, obviously, it would be a cool weather situation, but it makes, it makes me wonder now, there's no Winter Soldier. Then there's no new Captain America. So what happens when she dies? What happens with the S.H.I.E.L.D.? There Would there even be a um, John or John Walker type of character? And Marvel, all those things, as much as I hate John Walker, Riot Russell has done a phenomenal job in me hating the villain. Adam is also asking, John, if you could have a superpower, what would you choose? I would have the ability to steal everyone else's superpower. That kind of defeats the purpose, I think, right there. I've always been a, 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 a fan of trying to either teleport or clone myself. That is my, that is my main two. Since Iron Man is not a superpower, of course. Um, dang it, man. <laughs> if I had to pick, yeah, I think teleporting or flying, I think it's really cool. Because, yeah, I think how a lot much of money. Know flying is like, the, how much do, money? Like, answer on the bingo card, yeah. Think about how much money I would save driving in Austin traffic. <laughs> Austin and Ramon traffic is terrible on certain parts of the day. So being able just to fly through and cops can't pull you over because, well, they don't have flying cars at all. There they ain't don't no have flying limit either. <laughs> exactly. So I think that, but the only downfall is if the weather is crazy, you, you're not going you, anywhere, buddy. You're not, you're practically screwed, but 
if only the super I mean had uh, superpowers that I would pick him, but definitely not Spider Man. There's uh <laughs> too much power and responsibility, and I don't want any of my Uncle Ben's or people I know that are called Ben. Oh, um, not Uncle Ben. <laughs> uh, you know, I said to I mean teleportation. You know, um, teleportation. Uh, what was the other one I said? Teleportation and or um. Oh, clone yourself. Cloning myself, yes, cloning myself. Uh, Fly would probably be up there as well, but I I, I think ultimately I would probably go with teleportation. Uh, The other close one would probably be the power to read people's minds would be another good one, I think. Um, Or seeing the future. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, Go go ahead. Definitely the cloning, because then, therefore, I would never have to actually go to work. Therefore, I would not actually have to go do anything. Somebody can go do that for me. Somebody can go do this. So I can just sit back at home and do a podcast, and nobody would know because I'm still at work. I'm still <laughs> exactly. doing this, and nobody can really say a thing. Uh, Christy Wilson says that she's all for a female Captain America. She would also choose the ability to fly. Sam Potter chimes in to say, Please give me mind control, gentlemen. Great choice right there. Manipulate people. That's a great thing to do. Uh, With that, though, John, some great news, though, to get to. Finally, man, after a long wait, the Black Widow movie press tour has gone to effect, which means, my man, no more delays. Folks, we heard about, I think, late July or early August of 2019. We first saw a poster for this movie. July 2019, or August 2019, sorry. And two years later, we finally get this movie. I mean, it's really about time. And like you said, there are rumors about they've been working on this movie for a long time. I mean, maybe so. It's about flipping time. I can't, I haven't been to the movie theater since, of course, Endgame. Because lack of content last year for Marvel. It would be great because you can't. See, this should be a law for all Marvel fans out there. If you violate it, you go to jail. You cannot see a new Marvel movie at home. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like literally putting up, eating some of the foods that Isaiah eats. You can't do that. You shouldn't be doing that. All those dramatic suspense of seeing a Marvel movie in the theaters, there's nothing like it. And just to see kind of what happened in this movie, especially a clip that came out, definitely uh, can't wait. No delays. And if you don't see it in theaters, well, you're going to be arrested by Hydra because that's basically a, uh, that's a crime. It's a crime. Hell, Hydra. No, there's no <laughs> Hell Hydra here. Yeah, you said that they'd be arrested by Hydra, so that's why I played the clip. I don't want to have any oh, deep breaks or anything. So. Um, I thoroughly think that it's long overdue and that this is probably the one thing that has been eating at Marvel for the longest time that was not being able to get this movie released. So again, pandemic theaters being closed. And now they finally get a chance to do it again with the press tour underway, which means no further delays. July, 2021 at long last, the black widow film will be in theaters. Final Absolutely. topic, uh, final topic, John for tonight, before we get to our new segment, per some of the reports though, J.A. Captain America four will, will reportedly reveal what actually happened to old man Rogers at the end of Endgame, where, of course, we saw him uh, give the shield up to uh, to uh, uh, to uh, Anthony Mackie and to Falcon at the very end of that film, though. 
John, if you want Marvel trauma, there's your Marvel trauma right there, buddy. Why are you waiting till Captain America 4? Just do something similar to Iron Man. This guy was literally the face of Captain America. I'm glad they're finally doing it. It just that's the first thing parts. I need to learn when it comes to patience in life and when it comes to Marvel stuff. It's like what what else do you have to do? He already gave you the shield, but glad they're finally addressing that. Now, whatever they had like a mini series of him and like Peggy and kind of what their life and what happened and due to old age being married. I mean, I don't know, but I'm glad they're finally going to address that because there are multiple comments or question by one military soldier in Captain or Falcon when a soldier saying that Steve, we thought Steve was on the moon. I'm glad it's finally happening and uh, I'm not ready. So uh, Marvel, <laughs> please take your time with this movie. John, like I said, though, on the season one finale, recapping the final episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, talking about Bucky going to visit, you know, uh, the uh, the uh, the father who he uh, uh, of the son who he had killed as the Winter Soldier was that there needs to be closure. And we know we heard Anthony Mackie tell, you know, or we heard we heard Falcon tell, you know, Barnes, you got to go find your closure, you know, you know, find closure. You got to find your closure. For all of us Marvel fans, we haven't been able to get our closure with Steve Rogers because we have no clue what on earth happened at the end of Endgame. You know, did he just upping like, you know, to sit on that bench and stare at the lake for the next 25 years or whatever happened? And I think that now that we have this report, though, John, this, I think, begins to stir the pot, though, about what really happened. But also, I think, though, finally, for all of us Marvel fans, though, John, we will get our closure about Captain America slash Steve Rogers, hopefully in that new film. I mean, we we need closure. There was a huge. I wouldn't say it's much like a huge letdown, but we saw like a little uh, picture of the first uh, episode for Falcon Winter Soldier. We just saw him holding the shield in that same bag that it came in. Like, oh my gosh, it's gonna be a funeral. And so I'm just I'm ready for it. But um, Marvel, I would take your time because there's only so much trauma that we can take. I definitely agree. Now, with that, folks, John and I are going to be debuting a brand new segment here on our program. I had this loony idea about roughly half an hour before the show started tonight, though. But, folks, we're going to be debuting a segment called Rank'em. It is a bit of a nod to our friends over at the No BS podcast on the uh, MI6 Sports Network, where, again, we rank certain things, though. But, John... We're trying it out via a unknown draft lottery system to rank all of the Marvel movies from our favorite to the uh, to the bottom, one through 22. I'm going to move my microphone out of the way here so I can actually type in our suggestions or type them in to this uh, doc here. You folks can play along at home, though, too, with uh, your thoughts about how, in fact, this draft will go. Now, we have a, a fishbowl, a plastic fishbowl here, folks. Real quick, when I get to one quick uh, comment here from Christy Wilson, who says, I just hope that Steve was able to live a happy life with Peggy. It seemed like it, though, John, at the end of Endgame, but again, who really knows what happened, though, at the very end? Exactly. That's one of the biggest questions why I hope they would have like a mini-series episode or two. So again, folks, uh, our new segment here is Rankham. So we have every Marvel film in this plastic fishbowl right here. We're going to shuffle them up, and then we're going to uh, draw live, just like we're going to be doing a bit of a, of a, uh, a bingo game, basically. Here again, you folks can play along and rank them here. There's uh, no time limit. There's no. It's it's your preference. It is your list. It is your it is your rank list. So we'll uh, stir these up and we'll uh, we'll have some fun here, John. So uh, we'll go uh, with the first option, and the first option is Doctor Strange. 
John, we're about on the list you put it. And I will say the real quick, though. Benedict Cumberbatch, probably, I think, much like what you said though, so many times with John about how, in fact, that Marvel does this casting, though, man. Benedict Cumberbatch, probably the best option out there for Doctor Strange and how he's probably got a life. But again, though, John, whereabouts on the list does Doctor Strange go for you? Man, if we had to put that that list up again, if I had to pick for Doctor Strange, it would it would be at no, I would say number ten or eleven, just because it, it's very interesting. And the first one was interesting. I just didn't know a lot about it to get to really know the um, intensity. Now, of course, when the new one comes out next year and it's more dark and wanton, it'll be much higher on this list as we've only had one movie. So we don't know a lot more about this character. But again, like I said, he's done a phenomenal job in uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I didn't know about him before this, but he's done a great job. I knew him a little bit for doing Sherlock Holmes in a couple of TV shows and a couple of movies. But John, we're on the mm -hmm. list. Did you put him 10? 10. 10? All right. So we'll put it there for uh, Mr. Alcorn at number 10 on the list. Uh, of Marvel movies ranked. John, I will go one spot lower just because I'm a little bit curious, though, about how, in fact, how is the second one going to pan out, though? I think that right now it's good where it's at right now, but it could be moved up, moved down maybe with how, in fact, things do, in fact, go at this rate. But I think we're in a pretty good spot right now. But again, Doctor Strange off the board. And Christy Wilson would also put Strange at number 10. So all of us are at least in the ballpark. And there's no right or wrong answer here. This is all everyone's own thoughts and opinions on how, in fact, uh, this should go. So I will put these in a safe spot. We'll draft or uh, draw the uh, next movie to be summoned. Let's see what we got here. We're going to go, John, to I think probably one of my personal favorites, Thor. But... The other one, yes. I think th this to me is probably one of the better ones though, because there's so much humor in this Thor film in regards to, hey, I know him from work when he sees uh, the Hulk when they're at the, you know, at the arena battling things out though. Uh, him and Tessa Thompson were phenomenal together in this film though and, and stuff like that, which I think though planted that seed though what we saw though in Endgame when in fact that Thor retires, he leaves Valkyrie in charge of uh, of Asgard. So, John, where does this Thor movie rank on the list for you? I would say number 11. Again, it was a very great movie. I, I like Thor. It's just not maybe not as interesting as other characters. But, yeah, that, that comedy, that interesting that Marvel does is awesome. And uh, I love the movie. Um, but just certain, certain characters, for some reason, for me, have a certain place in my heart. You know, I'm going to probably put it at 10 because I, I you know, I, I for one, in, uh, thoroughly enjoy dry humor in movies. And especially, I think mm -hmm. those, well, though, John, when you see it, though, build up, though, over, you know, Thor 1, Dark World, and then into that one, it's like, you know, they love each other. And then you just see, like, all the, you know, the, the pomp and circumstance, but all the fun come out of them, though. That is the best part about that. So uh, we have those two done. Let's go into another selection here for, again, rank them, ranking all of the Marvel movies in our own order. Uh, John, the third one we're going to go with is Black Panther. RIP mm -hmm. to Mr. Bozeman. Real quick, though, Christy Wilson says she put Thor um, 
Ragnark at 11. Husband liked it, not her personal favorite. But, John, how about uh, Mr. Bozeman and Black Panther? Man, if I had to look at this list and put uh, Black Panther, because I've watched it, I've watched it when it first came out and I saw it a couple more times. I would have it at number eight, or sorry, number nine. I mean, it's it's very interesting to see the type we've heard about Vibranium and the original Captain America, and just to see that uh, phenomenal job acting, the suit, all that was just a, a great job. But this is, I mean, yeah, we know he passed away, but even I felt the way even before that, it's been a phenomenal. It's something different that we haven't seen. We've seen Black Panther in like cartoons and cheesy cartoons, but to see him on screen, I think was really awesome. They mix the Wakanda with him going with them going to actually going into earth and all that i think they definitely done a definitely done a phenomenal job so we're on the list do you put it <clears throat> number eight john's gonna put it at number eight john i'm gonna put it at five and it's not because of chadwick's passing but it's about how popular this movie had gotten for you know the community out there and seeing chadwick boseman portraying the Black Panther, but also about how the character, much like how we've said a lot, though, about Phase 4, though, John, the popularity around the character skyrockets with with him getting that movie. And, of course, Chadwick, I don't know if there could have been a better actor to play him, nor do, and, nor do I, and nor do I want to discredit Michael B. Jordan playing the villain in Black Panther. I mean, you talk about Bozeman and Michael B. Jordan, that's a win-win duo right there, and probably one of the better, probably one of the best duos in my mind, hero villain in the entire MCU. They've definitely done a man, a phenomenal job, but um, I don't know what it's, it's, it's very popular. I used to work with kids and I and like we had what you call like the the Black Panther handshake. So I've never seen a character like that respond, not just for different people with different beliefs and different cultures and communities than a character like that. I don't know, phenomenal job acting, but uh yeah, that there's something about that that character I've seen. And again, all the Marvel characters are great, but for I don't know what it is about this character and Chadwick and Black Panther, but having that kind of impact on people, kids that I've seen and people that I've talked to, is something special. That's why I put it in my top five. Christy agrees. She has it at number four. Last time I watched it, cried a little bit. Rest in peace, yeah. Chadwick Boseman. Definitely, definitely. For sure. We'll go now into another draw here. Again, folks, this is the new ranked uh, Rankem segment. Again, John and I rank various Marvel topics via a draft lottery system, basically in regards that we have uh, topics written down in a fishbowl. We shake it up, and of course, we draw. Next movie, John, we're going to rank one of the Iron Man films, but Iron Man 3. Iron hmm. Man 3. I mean, I will say, though, obviously, you know, I'm glad that, you know, a film or a character like Iron Man, though, gets, you know, those three movies or a trilogy. I don't know, though, John. I kind of feel indifferent, though, about three as opposed to one and two. What about you? I would have to pick, I guess, uh, number five. I just think because, I mean, I you know Marvel and all the trauma, but, you know, Tony was really at his lowest. But it, before, he was at his lowest, but you had Pepper with him, Agent Coulson was there. You had everybody there. But this time in Iron Man 3, he literally was at his lowest and nobody was there with him. He was dealing with PTSD or from the uh, the war in New York the year before and dealing with that and not having anybody there because you got stuck in a winter storm. You were cold. You were stuck with nobody there. 
that to me just kind of shows that he brought back and that those huge mistakes he made and grew mentally and physically in Ironman 3 helped Peter Parker have what he has today and help him become a better superhero. I'm going to put it down at seven uh, because, you know, I think that a lot of times, though, John, now I think you've made a great point, though, about that. You know, this is basically the, you know, the penultimate film, though, of Iron Man's trilogy, though, where he's down and out for the count. He's been TKO'd. You know, he's got, you know, his his wife's gone, stuck in a snowstorm. You know, he's all over the place, so on and so forth. He's trying to get back to where he's at, though. But I think that but sometimes, though, John, I think you would probably agree, though, that when, in fact, though, that you see a one character kind of get more than, you know, maybe two or three or four movies, though, maybe more than three. You kind of like, eh, do I really want to stick, you know, kind of be with this character? You know, I, I remember hearing this, though, from from uh, from Sylvester Stallone, though, talk about the Rocky series, though, that people got so tired of it, though, after the fourth, you know, after Rocky five, though, he still put out Rocky Balboa. Then he, they put out Creed, Creed two, you know, stuff like that, though. But sometimes you kind of get tired, though of certain characters. I think that maybe some people, maybe some people got a wee bit tired though of Iron Man though in that third movie. I personally, well, I mean, I didn't either. I, 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 love, I literally have the Iron Man three action figure here somewhere in my room, uh, which I totally get. What made it, I guess, more dramatic is that um, you saw these pictures of walls of dedication for people that died in New York in the Avengers movie. And he tried to call his wife, but it couldn't work. get an answer. Yeah. And then you have even more manipulation in Iron Man. I, I get like three or four movies of certain characters, but for me, I mean, I, I can't get sick of Iron Man, but that's just me at that point. Christy Wilson puts it at nine. So I believe that, um, actually, no. So uh, John had it at five. I had it at seven for that one. We'll go back into the fishbowl here, see who we're going to get. Right. Again, ranking the Marvel movies, our personal preference from one to 22, 23. All right, John, the first installment of James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume one, we're on the list. Again, the introduction to Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Bradley Cooper, Vin Diesel playing Groot. And Dave Batista. I mean, I would have to pick it, I think. Number because wouldn't there be a post credit scene in that movie? I'm not another movie of uh Thanos, I can't remember, probably not that movie. But if I had to pick volume one, I would say number 13. It was a very great movie, it's definitely something interesting. I love seeing Chris Pratt and these type of movies. I'm just, I, I like, I love Guardians of the Galaxy, I just don't love it. It doesn't mean I don't like it at all, right. I just don't love it as much as maybe like a um iron man or maybe a spider-man maybe that's some bias talking it's very interesting it just doesn't have as much love and for me as other characters but again they're still very great movies christy and i are, are in agreement though but i'm going to bump it up a couple of spots so she has guardians volume one at six because of the of the music i'm putting this film at number three because of the music the cast but also of course though john again if you folks remember though that we had uh, Christian Ilton from the Drafting the Magic podcast talk about the Avengers Campus opening up at uh, at the uh, uh, Disneyland Resort in Anaheim, California. That is the main reason why that uh, California Adventure has been a popular destination because they have a ride solely based off of the Guardians movies, one and two. And that is the reason as to why it gets bumped up for me, though, because I basically can live out that Guardians adventure in my own backyard up, up Interstate 5, though. But again, the cast, uh, the music... 
Again, John C. Riley's in this movie too. I mean, who doesn't love John C. Riley being in this movie and stuff like that? But again, you know, the storylines, of course, though, as well with them being thrown into this jail, you know, and like basically like like a raft, basically for them though. But of course, you know, the the uh, the collector, you know, uh, the whole the whole thing was great. But I think more so, I'm sold on the music more than anything else though in that uh, movie. We'll move on though to the uh, next uh, selection for the uh, ranked uh, for the Rankum segment. Next up, though, John, 2012, here we come with the Avengers. Okay. This might be the hardest one to put on the list, honestly. Number three. Because, number one, number one obviously, there's a lot of anticipation with the 2008 installment of the Hulk movie. And, of course, that unfortunately didn't work out due to whatever reasons. But they hinted at that in that he had the file and showed him. Hey, Bruce Banner, hey, we have a team we're uh, doing called the Avengers. And just seeing that over time was interesting. So I remember, I think when Captain America came out, there was a thing after hinting at the Avengers movie coming out in 2012. And um, I just I just love the scene of, uh, well, oh, uh, you have all yours. Well, we have a Hulk. And then Hulk doing that that scene with uh, with Loki there was awesome, man. But I, I just love that movie and just bringing all the, it's, I think it's maybe because I'm biased because I like all the characters, but bringing all the characters in one movie, of course, I'm going to put that higher on my list. It may be a Black Panther. Again, great movies, but have them all in one movie. Man, it's a phenomenal job. Christy Wilson and I agree. I have it at number two because, again, the cast, you know, again, you know, you know, I have an army. Well, we have a Hulk. You know, what else do you want from us? Though? But again, seeing like this group of, you know, seeing these group of kind of like misfits, you know, and people that are, that know of each other, but don't know each other very well. I mean, yeah, we know about Black Widow and uh, Iron Man having history again when she was Natalie Rushman. You know, she was the Russian spy who then uh, became like his personal assistant. And then, of course, uh, Captain America being let out of, you know, uh, out of his, you know, asleep because of him. Uh, crashing the plane in the first uh, Avenger movie and stuff like that, though. Jeremy Renner seeing his character, uh, you know, obviously, of course, you know, thanks to the test track, though, but he becomes a villain, though, then he becomes a good guy, though, and stuff like that. But definitely the cast, uh, the battle scenes, you name it. But, John, back over to you, though. But I have Avengers at number two. Especially with all of the um, insults and drama and Steve saying, oh, you're not the one that go to the to the battle line. You're not the one that make that sacrifice into. And yet, what does he do, though, in Endgame? And he makes a sacrifice, and despite him and having the ego and having a lot of issues, at the end of the day, he's not the one you thought that made the sacrifice. He made the sacrifice, thinking that he was going to die, and ironically, you know, it happened later. But him making the sacrifice, and despite um, what Loki tried to do, I mean, Loki was smart. I mean, he blew pen bond together, and they knew what he was going to do, and they still fell for it the whole time. The only thing I didn't like was Phil Coulson dying but other than that man it's phenomenal you know before we draft and i'm gonna reshuffle here i have to laugh though or I, I wanted to laugh though how many takes do you believe that whole argument scene took though because i'm sure that they were all flubbing up their lines as time went on because I, I know when the, you're talking about the scene with him and loki right yeah now, the scene though where they were all in banner's office and they were all you know you had you know you had fury and romanoff arguing you had banner arguing with you know, Rogers and, and I'm like that whole scene though, when they're all arguing, just like, I wonder how many times they had to redo it because of someone screwing up the dialogue. 
But I can't imagine though, because how do you keep up that dialogue with arguing? You have like conversation here, or three over here, one over here, one playing an old video game from like the eighties, and then so kind of bring all those together, man. I don't know how they did, but I, I don't know either, man. But hey, that's Marvel for you. Uh, next up, John on the list. Okay, Spider Man Homecoming. Where does Homecoming rank on the list? Got to give him props for I have to give him props for using the Ramones uh in that film i mean i would have to put it at number 12. i mean it was a very good movie it was great it's just i don't know it just wasn't missing it was missing stuff that they had in the second and that they're gonna be in there again it was still a great movie it's just not one of those where like that in-game type feeling before of course in-game came out I'm going to drop it to 14 because I think, John, much like what we had said, though, so many times about like maybe WandaVision and Falcon Winter Soldier and telling stories from a different perspective, though. To me, it kind of seems like, though, that especially, though, man, with the whole Spider-Man controversy with him being owned by one company and then owned by a different company, that it's kind of hard, I think, to kind of follow those storylines because it's not the same actor playing, you know, playing Spider-Man. It's, you know, it's Holland. It's 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 Garfield. It's it's uh, Toby McGregor or Toby McGuire. It's kind of hard to think to kind of follow the sort the storyline though when it really doesn't. I think add up right if you catch my drift. Because they've been trying to bring Spider Man into the MCU for many many years, and of course, if you don't know the history, you can go back and watch that. But um, they've been trying to. They kind of hinted at it in uh, Maiden Spider Man Two at the Sinister Six movie. Right. Of course, that didn't happen. But bringing them in, I think, is definitely great. It was a great beginning but i love the second movie even better all right we will go ahead and get to christy wilson who will put homecoming at 15 on her list so again we're again this is not really you know you're right you know you're wrong it's just more so your personal preference about where in fact the marvel movies rank for this uh similar debuting here next up john on the list we got a good one here civil war Oof, man oh man that's number four. This is basically like the Marvel All-Star game right here at this rate. It's basically the Marvel art. And thankfully, of course, they didn't bring the Hulk in. Thank gosh. But um, that you're introducing the Black Panther. You're introducing the first ever scene of bringing Spider-Man into the MCU. I think was the perfect way to do it. Especially hey, with all this from? drama. Especially Wait. all this. Brooklyn. Oh, I'm from Brooklyn. But just seeing all that that type of action, what better way to bring Spider-Man into the MCU than when the Avengers are fighting, especially when he's used in getting used to the new scene. But um, I definitely would have to say number four. I got to go with four as well. I mean, the, the reason why, though, again, this is the Marvel Cinematic. This is basically the Marvel Cinematic Universe All-Star Game, the first go-round again. They're talking about, you know, are you Team Cap or Team Iron Man? You know, whose side are you on? You know, obviously, I think we I think we all know where my priorities lie with that one, though. But again, you know, Captain America, you've got, you know, Iron Man. I mean, you have all these cast members, though. But also, I think, though, as well, though, John, you're talking about someone in a way, though, kind of maybe, I think, also adding in Ant-Man. You're adding in uh, bringing Hawkeye out of retirement. Then, of course, you talk about bringing in Spider-Man and bringing in Tom Holland to the MCU, though, with the new gear and stuff like that. But I think, though, Marvel All-Star Game, it's definitely in my top five for sure. Christy agrees, so putting it at number five for her list of Marvel films. We'll go back to the fishbowl 
see what we got here for the next movie to rank. Next up, John, is The Incredible Hulk. You know, a lot of people had a lot of very, like, rough reviews about this film. I totally get it because it, unfortunately, well, I mean, Hulk is in the MCU, but not that movie. But I don't know. I liked it. But having seen Mark Ruffalo become the Hulk, I would have had to put it at number 19. I think it was a very great movie. It was very interesting to kind of see, oh, they're having this thing called the Avengers. I wonder what's going to happen. And due to wait, technically happening, but not happening at the same time. A great movie, but with Iron Man coming out that same year, there was just no way he was going to compete with Iron Man. That seeing Iron Man on the screen, those kind of suits, man, ooh, there's no way he was competing. You know, I got to put it at the bottom of the totem pole. And I hate to do that, but I think, though, that especially, though, John, when a studio releases two movies in the same year, there's going to be one that's going to be great and then one that's going to be not so great. To me, it was Iron Man and then Hulk was way at the bottom. That's why I'm going at the very bottom of the barrel. Christy Wilson writes in to say she'll put it at number 12. Again, it's your personal preference about where, in fact, the Marvel movies mm -hmm. are ranked on this new segment. I think, though, again, I think just, John, like I said, though, when a studio releases two movies in the same year, you know that one's going to be great and one's going to suck, sadly. I, I just think it's kind of frustrating to where, um, again, I don't I know. Agree. What I agree. I like, the same sentiments. He had the folder and said, hey, we're having a team called The Avengers. And then it kind of contradicts because then you go into Iron Man 2. Then he uh, Nick Fury kind of tells him about this group and so oh, he doesn't qualify. And it's like, well, then why did he tell Hulk about it in the Incredible Hulk movie? That's where it gets kind of confusing and hoping he was going to come in and didn't come in until technically the first Avengers movie. Back to the drawing we go. Grab two right there. We only need one for this segment. Next up, John Durank. Okay, we are at Iron Man 2 now. So we're getting closer to finishing off the Robert Downey Jr. trilogy here at this rate. I would have to say number 15. I know it's completely different from Iron Man 3. I liked Ivan as a villain. I just kind of wish they maybe explored some of that background more in the movie or like maybe like a quick flashback of him and his dad and kind of, or or like before he passed away, but like what actually happened. And like, we know they explained it, but going more in depth, I think is what Marvel has done a phenomenal job now, but kind of going like why he's doing what he's doing and just to really... I guess explore that villain more because Marvel's in a phenomenal job that lately, but not being able to explore that villain more in depth, I think was disappointing. But uh, I think it was definitely a very good movie. Definitely a great movie. I'm going to put it up to number 12. I think it's a, a great movie, kind of a good way to be a buffer basically between one and three. I think kind of in a way, maybe answers, maybe answer those questions that we probably all had at the end of episode or uh, of uh, Iron Man one, but definitely a uh, good spot to be put in there for uh, the second of the three Iron Man movies. We're getting kind of close to the end here of the program tonight. Thanks again, folks, for hanging out with us here on the Marvel Dudes podcast. Next up here, John, on the Rankham segment, we're going to Mr. Lang, Ant-Man. Whereabouts on the list does Mr. Lang and Ant-Man go on the list? For me, it's number nine. It's something interesting. It's, no, it's not because of the gigantic Thomas Rowe because I'm a little kid. But I think that having that type of that new character that was supposed to be 
and the first Avengers movie. Kind of like those, how Marvel brings in those new characters and Jimmy Woo being the first in that movie or whatever. Um, I think it was a great movie, great introduction into, of course, what happened in the previous new Avenger movies at the time. But great movie. I just, it's one of those words for me, it wasn't that, that biased love of a certain character. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I'm going to put it at, at at 15 because it was probably a character we probably didn't know a lot about. But Paul Rudd, of course, is a phenomenal actor, did a great job bringing Scott Lang to life, though. But again, you know, just a lot of moving parts, I think, for a movie, though. I think, though, great storyline, though, still. But I think moving parts, not a lot of clarity. But I do think, though, still, though, great film. And again, a great, phenomenal lead guy to lead the way, though. With Paul Rudd, Christy Wilson wanted to say, but she put uh, Iron Man 2 at number 8, and she's going to be putting Ant-Man at number 13. So again, uh, having some fun there with that. But again, Ant-Man is off the board. Next up, John from the Fishbowl. Who will it be? Again, we're getting a little bit closer to having someone finish off their top five. But next up, though, J.A., here we go again. We got the first Iron Man movie this time around. So obviously the first one, of course, uh, Robert Downey Jr. Again, uh, Afghanistan, 10 rings. Again, we talked about that with uh, Shang-Chi coming back uh, in his uh, movie in September. But John, where does the first Iron Man movie rank on this list? Well, that's number one for me, easy. Because, I mean, I know that it's my first, like, I don't know, man. It's something about seeing like a new character and the way they did it in the first movie. I think it was a phenomenal job. And I fell in love with I didn't know anything about Robert Downey Jr. before. I was only like what eleven when that first movie came out. But I I love I just love the suits and the storytelling and kind of how uh despite how many mistakes you can make, you can always kind of redeem yourself. But I don't know, something about those suits, man, it's just something that's like no other. It's definitely in my top ten. I'm gonna put it at number six. Uh, because, you know, just in general, and yeah, I know that I have Iron Man and Iron Man 3 in the top 10, but I think though, especially though, like John said about, about Robert Downey Jr., but again, without this movie though, folks, there is no MCU. This movie started the whole entire, you know, Infinity Saga that has been for this franchise, so I'm going to put Iron Man in the top 10 at number 6, but again... Uh, again, you folks can feel free to rank these uh, as time goes on. We can compare and contrast lists if you want to as well when it's all said and done. Back to the bowl, though, John, to draw one another movie. Next up, J.A. <laughs> Captain oh, no. America, the Winter Soldier. Whereabouts on the board oh, on oh, does boy. your soldier movie go for you? I would have to say number seven. It's very good. It, now, we didn't know a huge like, backstory, but it kind of still continued to traumatize us after the first Captain America movie. He fell out of the train. Now he was a, a POW and Zemo being a complete butthole. And kind of seeing Steve come back and how um, Sam was getting readjusted to certain TV shows he missed, music, movies, all these different types of things. I definitely think they did a good job. And um, I think it's very interesting in the iconic line. Once again, on your left. On your left. I think everyone knows where this movie's going for me. So we'll just put it there and yeah. leave it there. I mean, it, it, and beyond the the bias I have for, for Sebastian Stan and for the character, though, I think, though, it was a great way, I think, though, for Marvel mm -hmm. to 
bring a character back though, but as a villain, as opposed to maybe bringing him back from the dead or whatever it may have been though. But that again, and I think though, John, that as you think about this though, we all, I think we all thought though, that when we saw Barnes fall off that train though, okay, he's dead. Exactly. And especially the 2011 and to that see, movie came And out. to see Marvel go the route of like, this guy ain't dead. Hank, we got, we got to get surprise for you. You bring the guy back under, you know, brainwashing of at the time. And I think though, John, a little bit here to kind of what I said a little bit about, you know, how Falcon Winter Soldier talked about a lot of the pressing issues right now in, in America. To me, mm -hmm. if, you, if we think about this long and hard here, John, let's remember that the first Avenger movie I believe was geared towards Nazi Germany and towards World War II. Let's also remember who America was somewhat at war with beyond World War II, the Russians, who brainwashed this guy and, and Stan Lee and Marvel and Marvel bring him back as a villain of, at the time, the other big world superpower, though. And I think kind of in a way, tell the Cold War a little bit from a different perspective. Again, that may sound ludicrous and, and maybe a bit of, you know, there may be some hypocrisy there, but I think though, John, it's a fair comparison though that you bring a good guy back as a villain though, but under, you know, the brainwashing, under the control of one of America's, at the time, America's most hated, you know, foreign countries. I mean, it's just the greatest story town by Marvel, but I was so glad they didn't pull a Transformers or a Megatron here. Or, oh my gosh, Megatron's now a new uh, a new car or plane. I'm glad they didn't do something like that. But to advance the storytelling of the character we thought it was dead and didn't pull a Transformers with Megatron, definitely a uh, smart decision there. Christy Wilson puts the Winter Soldier film at number seven, still in the top 10. And uh, she also put Ant-Man at 13, so... Again, I think we read that, but just wanted to make sure. Getting close here once more to wrapping up this first installment of Rankem again. John and I will rank Marvel uh, Marvel topics via a blind draw, basically, is what we're doing here. Uh, next film, though, J.A., uh, Guardians, Volume 2. I will say that Volume 2 was a little bit interesting, though, because I think we kind of see Nebula kind of, you know, leaning towards joining the Guardians. We, of course, have, you know... Kurt Russell playing Chris Pratt's father in that movie. And again, he goes from hero to villain in the process. J.A., though, where does Guardians Volume 2 go for you? Hey, people will be mad at me. I just, I'm not, I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm just not in love with it. So for me, I would have to say number 16. You know, I, I for one, uh, again, I, I love the soundtrack, but I, I don't think the soundtrack was as good, though, as the first movie. So I'm going to mm -hmm. keep it at 13 because I think it was still great, though, to kind of continue, continue the storyline. But I think, though, still weird. You know, we have this whole, like, Gamora going after Star-Lord, Star-Lord, or, uh, you know, Drax going after Mantis. Like, there's too much going on here. But I think, though, of course, I think the, the best part, though, the only saving grace about that scene, though, is Rocket trying to explain to Groot, don't press the button. And he, what does he probably try to do? Press the press button. Press the button. Uh, Christy Wilson says that Guardians Volume 2 is at number 16, even though the music is really good. I think it was good, but not as good though as Volume 1. Again, you're talking about Norman Greenbaum, uh, the Raspberries, uh, you know, Blue Sweet playing Hooked on a Feeling, Rupert Holmes, you know, all those great artists from back in the day, though, and uh, stuff of that caliber. Getting close again, as I've been saying for this whole segment here. Next up, John DeRank. Age of Ultron. 
Now, remember, John, now remember, though, Jay, that we had this come up, though, during the what if discussion here. What if Ultron was one who was able to wield the Infinity Stones and not Thanos? Though? But, John, what about Age of Ultron? Because remember, though, man, we do get introduced to Pietro and uh, to uh, Wanda Maximoff during uh, this film. Oh, well, that's number two. Because, like, think about it, for years and years, Father Paul Benny, he never had a huge role. Yeah, he played a huge role in playing Jarvis, but get to see him have an actual character of him on screen for the very first time. I think it's been very special. But, again, I love Visions since the beginning. Um, again, it's the same thing where, man, there's maybe one thing I didn't like about the Marvel series. Like, they tried to force a relationship between Agreed. Bruce and Natasha, but, or, of course, Black Widow. But other than that, dude, it was a great movie and how uh, how another thing that Tony tries to do goes very wrong. But I definitely like them. I mean, seeing Wanda in that movie, I think it was a great job, but more trauma yet again by Marvel. I'm going to put it at number eight. It's got to be in my top 10 because I think this is like one of the very first, maybe second time though, John, we saw all the Avengers work together as a unit though. And again, you're talking about trying to take down this ginormous robot. Again, thanks a lot, Tony Stark. You know, maybe screw you Stark for this one in this film because I mean, without him, I mean, if, if this doesn't happen, there's no, you know, but then again, but at the same time though, without this movie though, John, like we said though, like I said though, a while back, without this movie though, we are not introduced to the Maximoff twins though during this film i think that because if he never created ultron we would have never had vision darcy we wouldn't have vision we wouldn't have had vision we wouldn't have had uh and we wouldn't have the maximoff twins either definitely man it's good i don't know as much as i hate all those villains at the end of the day john walker is the one that i hate the most uh christy wilson puts it at number three and she also says hashtag Screw, Screw you, you, Tony Stark. Laughing face emoji. John has demanded his silence. We will give him a silence because I'm going to be pulling another uh, movie out of this fishbowl over here. It's on my desk. Kind of sweep around here, getting close to the end. Next up, John. Yikes. Oh, All right, J.A., where does Infinity War rank on the list? Ouch. Mm. Uh. Number six, man. Uh, and I know I, I get the frustration again when I have kids one day. Kids one day, they're going to have to wait a year. And this is That's before like they have everybody. and this before they have access to social media so they can't look it up. But it, you better see, block the media then if that's going to happen, my friend. <laughs> we definitely um, – Okay, there'd be like like five or six. So they don't have like like a phone or social media, so that's perfect. But I know we talk about trauma in all the movies, but this one has to be the most traumatic because you thought that uh, a lot of these characters were gone, and the what made it even worse than any other Marvel movie was Bucky looking at Steve and saying Steve as he disappears, and then what made it even worse yet again Marvel, and of course um, Spider Man's father figure and Tony Stark's just. Mr. Stark, I'm not feeling too good. And then just disappears. I mean, you thought th there's a reason why it was emotional for Tony because, like you say, with Iron Man 1, 2, and 3, he learned from all of his mistakes, and which is why um, Spider-Man had all the advance in his suit. And uh, that, to me, had to be the most traumatizing Marvel movie because we don't know. We thought there's going to be another Infinity War Part 1 and then Infinity War Part 2. But 
that to me had to be the more traumatic Marvel movie. You know, my top 10 is obviously full right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I will say real quick, though, that uh, once we are done drafting these films, that we are going to be able to change our change a couple of our spots. So uh, we will be able to uh, we will allow that. But, John, for right now, I got to put it down at 16 because there is way too much trauma. Because I think, though, that to me, though, that it for one, I watched the movie on Christmas Day and it ruined my Christmas holiday seeing it on ruined my Christmas Day celebration, which was Dude. bad. Especially Star-Lord getting in his emotions. Well, that and then also, like you said, though, about seeing all of our heroes going, to, you know, turning to dust like what the hell is going on? You know, like imagine somebody you you uh, well, everybody else gave up on right off and uh, yeah, Bucky went a soldier and seeing him disappear. What you thought forever had exactly. to be traumatizing. You thought Steve had to go to therapy. You thought Bucky's therapist was bad. Oh God, not Steve's, again. Steve's therapist. I mean, going to therapy. I mean, the guy that you went to war with and the guy that you never gave up on. Yeah, you, the, the guy that you grew up dies. with. Was basically, your you know who's basically your, your brother childhood friend. It yeah. wouldn't be tremendous. It's just like, imagine how we felt when your childhood friend moved, but times that by Marvel and Infinity and a billion, that's how Steve felt. No terrible pun intended. Christy puts Infinity War at 14. Remember leaving the theater angry. I think a lot of us were doing that. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, it ruined my Christmas Day celebration watching that movie on Christmas Day. Angry, sad, confused, frustrated, all four feelings right there. We didn't want to, but we didn't go the route of uh, the A's and punch a brick wall because of it. Christy also says, hashtag screw you, Thanos. It's All shiv it up a bit, Thanos. Everyone shares the same sentiments. All right, we're running out of spaces on the board. Only a few movies are left in the fishbowl to rank tonight on our first summit of this new segment. We'll do it every so often, not every show. Uh, next up, J.A., the one that you watch when you first begin watching in uh, yearly order. The first Avenger that kind of got the whole thing started. Whereabouts on the list? Man, I have to redo this list a little bit, but I would have just, I guess, to say number 14 at this point because my list is all, all over the place. Believe I mean, me, you and me both. And I'm sure that Christy would agree, though. Just seeing Cat, again, I didn't know much about like the MCU or Marvel besides Spider Man back in the day, but. Just seeing how they were tying in uh, events that happened in the past with certain people or a certain uh, person, it's just, I don't know, man. Especially now that we know what's happened in the MCU. Literally tiny little things that I didn't think about back then. Rewatching them, that, oh, yeah, no, uh, no Hydra guy or whatever is going to uh, attack you with a knife. And then hear about. And yeah, Exactly. And then hear about vibranium. I understand it didn't just come from Wakanda, but those tiny little details again and again, definitely. And uh, it's nice to hear that MS6 was part of the military with Steve Rogers. I'm going to put it in my top 10. It's got to be my top 10 for me. I'm going to put it at number nine. Uh, again, kind of like starting off the whole like time, like timeline, at least, you know, back in World War II, like I mentioned, though, but definitely, you know, Chris Evans crushed it. Sebastian Santa course crushed it stuff like that but we're getting down to the nitty gritty of this selection of films uh but again folks we'll be doing this segment every so often not all the time but every so often next up ja for selections is far from home 
Far From Home. Dang it, I have to redo this list. Uh, again, uh, you'll be able to you'll be able to rebuke and change when in fact we end the list. But whereabouts would you put it for right now? Uh, I this point is number seventeen. I thought it was much better than the first one. And it just shows that Peter just needs I don't know, man. I decided to say number seventeen because looking at my list, I'm very disappointed in myself. Yeah, I mean, I'm a bit in mind. I'll put it at 18 for right now because I think that, again, much like what we talked about, though, I think with Iron Man, like there's challenges, though, I think with Iron Man and even Spider-Man because, they again, they have, you know, so many, you know, episode, you know, movie one, two, and three. But again, like I said, though, about Spider-Man, though, it's it's just, it's so confusing because, again, of Maguire and then Garfield and Sony and it's like, you know, we're in the storyline, are we? And stuff of that nature. And it's a, a little bit confusing, I'd say. But then again, it is what it is right now. We're down to like the last, I want to say, five, maybe six films left in this jar. Shake these real quick, see where we're at here. All right. Next one on the list to rank, John. A good one. Endgame. I think this is going to end up becoming, this is probably going to be in my top 10 by the time that we rebuke our picks here very shortly. Well, that would have to be, yeah, top, top three, or top, sorry, top five um, when this is redone. But for now, unfortunately, I have to put it at number 18. And of course, I would have top five easy because Tony being able to see his dad and kind of have that, uh, that closure. reconnection, but that closure without technically having that type of closure. And uh, this is really cool because the CGI didn't did a phenomenal job because, of course, those white suits were just all CGI. But reconciling with his dad and also some trauma, though. Obviously, there's a lot of trauma, but specifically with Steve Rogers seeing Peggy right there, can't say anything, can't do anything. That just broke his little heart once again. Or And even the fact of, uh, of Iron Man seeing his father. I mean, at least at least he got to talk to him, even though he, his father didn't know he talked to him. I think it was worse for Steve to a certain extent because oh, totally. you, you basically had the love of your life. And, of course, guaranteed there was a deleted scene. You could have jumped out of the, the plane in time, but that's not the point. But seeing your love of life right there and you can't do anything about it. It's like you're there, but you're not. That, to me, had to be dramatic. But Regan Steve Tony had so many anger issues with his dad. He didn't understand, and just to see that, man, I definitely think is uh, definitely pretty awesome. I put it at 17 for the time being. I think that, you know, it's, like I said about the, uh, basically about the, uh, you know, the Marvel All-Star game of Civil War, though, that was the ultimate, you know, Marvel All-Star game with every Avenger who was lost in the blip coming back to fruition in that movie, by far the best. Christy Wilson writes in to say, the only thing that made me mad about Endgame is that Captain Marvel, who's my personal favorite, was only in it for a whopping four minutes. I don't think that was pretty badass that they had all the female Avengers have their own time, though, I think, where they all were, mm -hmm. you know, doing their own thing, which I thought was a great way to sneak that in there. Not really sneak, but I think, you know, add that into the storyline. Oh, it definitely was a phenomenal job. Definitely want to see more Captain Marvel in the future. But, um, yeah, that scene, though, definitely was definitely pretty dope. We only have three or four of these things left in here. So I think my math is wrong about how many films were actually in there. We have four left because they're all stuck together. So we're down to the final four before we can rebuke and change our list of rankings.
Next film, John, is... We'll go to the first Thor movie. First I haven't re... Oh, man, I haven't rewatched it. That's sad. Yeah, this list is terrible for me, but for now, I'll put it at number 20. Because get re seeing Darcy again, even though we didn't know about the TV shows at the time, seeing her in this and, of course, in WandaVision, man, it's definitely uh, awesome. Thor's done a phenomenal job. And just from the beginning, you know you can't trust Loki. You would think he's a redhead, but apparently he's not. I'm going to put it at 19 for right now. It may go higher because my Star Wars crush, uh, Natalie Portman, is in the Thor movies. So I have to put it there for sentimental reasons. But okay, John, we're down to the last three movies here before we can rebuke and change some of our thoughts here on this uh, matter at hand. The next movie to rank, which will be in the bottom part of our list for right now, is we'll stay with Thor, but with The Dark World. Number, I would say number 21 at this point. You know, I'm going to just, I think we're just going to put him like in, in regular order. So John has one movie left for his final spot. And okay, so I did in fact miscount. So I can just put that right back in there. So we have two spots left. Two films are left. But again, we can uh, change our list as things go. Sam, I agree. She says, fellas, my list is an absolute mess. Oh, my goodness. I feel that my choices are biased based on based solely on the number of times I quote a film. No, there's no there is nothing wrong with that, Sam. Like we said, though, this is all your personal ranking. This is what this is all about here. Jonathan will rank live on air. You guys can rank. There's no right or wrong answers. This is just for fun and games here to round out an episode of the podcast. But again, John, we're down to the last two movies for this list. We'll do a quick shuffle here and see what is the next movie to come out of the jar. That film is uh, not too bad. Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we get to see uh, Evangeline Lilly make her uh, MCU debut finally. I know that, of course, John, there was some talk about maybe Wasp debuting or maybe Ant-Man debuting in 2012. But, of course, some hurdles came that way. I mean, I liked it because I remember, I think it was at the end of that one. Where uh, you you see kind of these people like flicker off into the into the blip, you know, like uh, hello, hello, and definitely that very interesting. But number twenty two for now, but that would definitely have to be in my top twelve, fifteen once this list is redone. Yeah, the list can be re uh, redone here. Uh, I'm gonna put it at twenty one. Uh, I do like though again about duos, about how in fact duos are in fact a part of MC, of the MC, though whether it's hero villain or hero hero villain villain, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, they're they're a duo for a reason. But of course, John, there's just one sole survivor that was not picked in this fishbowl. So the irrelevant film of the list is sadly, sorry, Christy Wilson, Captain Marvel, ranking at the very end of our draw tonight for this first episode or first edition of Rankem. Uh, John, I think we're going to put it both at 23 because we have no more room on the list. 23 on this list, and if I had to redo it, it would still be at 23. It's It was a very good movie, and I understand the certain things of that movie were in WandaVision moving forward into this uh, Miss Marvel movie, TV show. Um, I mean, it was it was very good. I just It's one of those where it wasn't really a favorite of mine where I would maybe go rewatch it many times, maybe like Spider-Man or Iron Man, Captain America. Again, it was a very good movie. It's just not one that I'm going to go rewatch a bunch of times. 
John, the fact that Blockbuster made an appearance in the film and it's not your favorite is a little bit surprising. Okay, but I, I, I know that. Com- was- I see where you're coming from, though. But at the same time, though, I will say, though, uh, that basically at this rate, that for me, though, it was like a bit of like a nostalgic feel for me being born in the 90s when, in fact, the movie was shot, you know, from a time frame, you know, 95, whatever. But that I, I thought that Brie Larson did a great job, though, of playing the character. I know, of course, probably people have have their thoughts about her, though. But for me, though, it was like this 90s nostalgia that I wasn't really a part of when I was born in 1994, May 18th of 94, a couple weeks ago, being turning 27 about a week or so ago. Is that, John, for me, though, is that, you know, Blockbuster, you know, Payphones, mm-hmm. Pacific Bell, you know, one of the notable telephone companies out here in, in uh, out here in in, uh, in California on the West Coast though you know the blockbuster agent Colson you know Nick Fury you know the brawl on the Metro trolley up there and and then I think as well though but seeing about how in fact though that it tied into you know the US Air Force it tied into you know project Pegasus tied into you know this tied into that though and and, and yada yada and the fact though as well though that Carol Danvers call sign i was talking to my folks about this and a, a little side note here that me and uh, shout out to my two good friends matt and jeremy when we play uh pick up hockey we're going to be getting jerseys we can't really well we really can't spill the name of our team yet i'm waiting till next monday to do so but that our name of our team has a bit of a nod though to the air force and to the fighter pilots though but the fact that carol danvers call sign was avenger should have told you something right then and there in that film Definitely with that, and it's definitely interesting that they finally explain what happened to Nick Fury in his eye. But I mean, seeing Agent Coulson on that before Shield was interesting. Yeah, it was great to see Blockbuster, and of course, the rest in peace to that same company, even though there's technically still one more in existence. But I mean, yeah, that was it. It was it wasn't a bad. It was not. I'm not like the others. Oh, it was because of this or that. I just it didn't really. For me, yeah, there's some great components to it. This in- didn't interest me as much. Uh, Christy Wilson first says, How dare you, Cal? Put it at the bottom of the list. I, again, we're able to rebuke here in just a moment here before we in fact wrap up. Uh, Christy Wilson quoting the movie, she says, I've uh, I've been fighting with one arm tied by my back, but what happens when I'm finally set free? Uh, again, Carol Danvers in the movie. She also says that, guys, I came, came of age in the 90s, so I love the music in the movie. Again, we're talking about Nirvana. You know, uh, Alaska, R.E.M., we're talking, uh, I believe, Garbage, uh, I'm Only Happy When It Rains. Uh, Pat Benatar was uh, mentioned at the Captain Marvel meeting and greet in California Adventure. But again, 90s grunge. Again, she had, again, a, a Brie Larson's wearing a Nine Inch Nails t-shirt at that bar that her, she w- had a flashback to of her and Monica singing karaoke way back in the day. And Sam, I agree. She says, I'm still mad, though, fellas, that they did that, that they used Ready to go by Republica in the trailer, and it wasn't in the actual film. I still enjoyed the movie, but for personal reasons, it drops a few slots for that reason. Where again, though, John, much like I said, though, about music, they did not use uh, Spirit in the Sky from Norman Greenbaum. It was used in the uh, trailer for Guardians, but never made the cut, though, for the film. Yeah, that, that, that to me, this is uh, kind of odd. I mean, it wasn't bad music, but like I said, probably Guardians of the Galaxy probably had some of the best music, maybe besides one of the Iron Man movies. Very, very good movie, but it's not one of those where, just for me, I just, it doesn't, to me, have a huge interest. 
And Christy also says that No Doubt's Just a Girl was also in the movie. Of course, Gwen Stefani, Orange County native, uh, Southern California native, and of course her band uh, was very close. I read a report or read a story, though, that when they opened up Disney California Adventure back in the in the uh, early 2000s, they were very close to adding a rock and roller coaster based off the ride in Florida with Aerosmith at California Adventure, but based off of No Doubt because No Doubt is from Orange County. So it would have been that would have been a pretty cool little tidbit there. But John, uh, we are in fact getting a little close on time. We're getting closer to two hour mark though. But John, if you had to maybe. Uh, I think we could probably save the rebukes, though, for maybe our next episode, though, because we are, in fact, running a little bit out of time. But that, of course, though, folks, was our first edition of the Rankem Summit, where, again, we will rank uh, various Marvel topics via a uh, fishbowl and a bunch of uh, index cards that we, we will, be, in fact, be doing here uh, during the course of uh, some of our shows, not all of them. But with that, though, John, we will wrap things up for the night, though, buddy, and head into and head on into our final thoughts for tonight's episode for the finale of season two. Again, folks, as a reminder, we'll be off air next week. We'll join, oh, we will rejoin you folks here again starting on June 6th to begin season three of the Marvel Dudes podcast to get you ready for the Loki television series debuting on June the 9th. With that, though, J.A., over to you, though, buddy, for your final thoughts. For tonight's program, what do you got? Man, great program. I'm glad to be taking just the one-week break, but get another announcement. It won't come to August 2nd, but it's always good to talk some Marvel, even though I'm very disappointed in my list a little bit, having finished it off here. But uh, finally, glad Black Widow's actually coming out, and uh, can't wait for Loki. But um, Wanda, screw Why? you, because now... You can't, if you see another redhead in the Marvel Universe, uh, just uh, close your eyes and hope for the best. Basically, again, folks, for final thoughts here again, a major shout out again to our viewers once more, Christy Wilson, even our good man, Isaiah Leung, and Adam Barber. Again, folks, check Adam and the gang out at the Coast to Coast Entertainment Network, and they do all things over there, sports, entertainment, you name it. Again, check them out again, uh, both MI6 and Coast to Coast forming a partnership over the next uh, several uh, several weeks here as time does go on. Also, again, to Christy Wilson and to Sam Potter for, again, always flooding our chat box with their thoughts and for all of their great commentary. With that, folks, again, as a reminder, we'll be off air next Sunday. Back at you the following Sunday, June 6th to 9.30 p.m. Pacific time to get you ready for the Loki series debuting Wednesday night, June the 9th on Disney+. Plus. With that, though, folks, for that one dude, John Alcorn, and for this dude, Cal McClurg, and for the entire cast and crew, uh, cast and crew here at the uh, Marvel Dudes Podcast, and also our great friends over at the MI6 Sports Network. Yours truly, Cal McClurg, saying goodnight here from Southern California and from San Diego. We'll see you folks again, as mentioned back here, on June 6th, two weeks from today at 9.30 in the evening to uh, get you primed and ready for the Loki series debut that coming Wednesday, folks. Till next time, good night and bye-bye.